Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, all you candy sluts and bubble butts. Welcome back to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm one of your hosts, Emily. And I'm Shelby. And today we are here with goddess Siriana. Very excited to have you on. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Well, hi. Hi, Shelby and Emily. And hi, everybody that's listening. This is so nice. I'm very excited to be here with you girls. And, well, my name is Goddess Siriana. You can call me Siriana. And definitely, I am here to, well, I guess, crack the whip a little bit. Uh, Much needed. One reason in particular we're excited about this interview is we always love talking to sex workers from around our area. So, yeah, interviewing a Colorado-based dominatrix. And our first question is... How did you get into sex work? Oof. Well, there's things in life where you're fighting to not do, especially um, because of cultural things. They're telling you, I mean, when you're in the Latino culture as I am, obviously you cannot be a sex worker of any type. You cannot be a dancer. You cannot wear red. (laughs) You cannot do certain things. You cannot be free, even though we have all these children and we're not sure how we make them, I guess. But we have a lot of children and big families, and we are very afraid of talking about sex or even being in the sex uh, industry at all. So coming from that, it stopped me for a long time. I did my college. I did my regular life. And it wasn't until about five years ago, I always been, I guess you can say I'm being a freak all my life, but I kept it under covers, literally. And about five years ago, I found myself in a in a moment where I couldn't get a job and I have a master's degree and I am here with all these skills and nothing was really going on. And you know what? I said, this is the time. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. And um, I thought about stripping because I love the art, because I love what they're doing. I I, I, I just love it. It didn't work out for me. I didn't really went through with it. But when I started getting into sites and different areas, the BDSM started coming to me. It wasn't until my partner, my husband, he's been in the BDSM. And he started telling me how I had the personality for it. And one thing led to the next, and here I am. (laughs) I'm a little bit curious about... Growing up in such a conservative and kind of sexually repressed environment, was there an initial interest in BDSM or did that come from getting married and your husband was interested in BDSM? Like, where did that start? 
back home, I just found out maybe less than a year ago that there is a BDSM scene. I guess that's everywhere. I never knew. I always was interested. I always grew up seeing videos. Um, I don't know, for example, Madonna had videos that were like very dominatrix-like and all these things that always call me. Uh, one of my best friends was always like, I see you doing that. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and I would take it as a joke. We would laugh about it. Never really seriously went anywhere. As a jungling, jungling I did think about being an escort. I always liked the sex work. When it came to the BDSM, I always had that, but I didn't know how to get to it. I didn't know who to go. I didn't know anything about it. So it was through time and patience and it came to me. There are things that you cannot escape, I guess. It just perfect timing. There is a racial stereotype. So you're Afro-Latina, yes. correct? Yes. And there's this racial stereotype that Black women and Latina women are loud and domineering and strong. Is there, did you ever run into anybody who had these preconceived notions of you and was kind of projecting that onto you? Yes, I'm laughing before you even finish the question because uh, I have so many things um, throughout my life. Well, first of all, I'm Afro Latina and I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Afro Puerto Rican. And the first thing you say when you say, when people ask you, obviously, I hear an accent where you're from. Yeah, I'm from Puerto Rico. Oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> okay, think I let them think that it's convenient to me at times, I guess. So yes, I have. I have had people thinking that I am, you know, with that connotation that I am um, domineering, that I'm strong. But I'm I'm a woman. <laughs> we have all different aspects of the goddess. So there's a time and a place for everything. But it's fun to, you know, embody that Boricua <laughs> idea that people have. Yes. Yeah, even when I know I'm about to like go into bad bitch mode, I feel myself channeling Mostly my mom. She's the one who came from Mexico. And even growing up, I remember hearing her threatening men, yelling at men in Spanish, which we need to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. I think, I think you can relate to that and just always being like the embodiment of a fiery Latina woman. So. Yes. Which, which is very interesting because, as you know, in our culture, it's very, um, it's not feminist at all. But of an empowered woman, can it can be taken two ways in our culture. It could be a strong woman that put their children out there and, and did what she needed to do, but also can be taken as a whore or something lower level. So it's very difficult sometimes to be that dominant woman in our culture yeah and there are, i feel like there are a bunch of god what there are a bunch of contradictions in latina culture especially like yes again doing whatever you need to do to provide for your family like at least in my household family very much come first and the means in which you take care of your family almost doesn't matter as long as you're taking care of your family but then, whorephobia. So, I, it's... Amongst others. 
<laughs> among all their right. fears. And so it's this, I guess, like just speaking on my own personal experience, my grandmother was a mistress in a situation and had to leave Mexico because there was a very powerful man and needed to provide for her family. But I would never, ever talk about sex with my grandma. Like, I, I don't want my grandma to know, like, I'm a sexual being. And I guess that's kind of a boundary on my part. But then at the same time, I was never allowed out of the house, especially on a date with a man, without wearing earrings. That was always the big one. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many of these contradictions. Uh <laughs> Growing as a Latina is a great experience. It's difficult um, as a woman. Sometimes, most of your life, you're thinking about why didn't I was a boy? Just because you can get away with murder, basically, and everything will be fine. But if you, you know, you try to even choke the, if you're not choking a chicken, which is the only thing you should be choking to cook it everything else is wrong in being a Latina. So there's a lot of contradictions. However, in my case, I, I'm very open about my things. Um, my parents are the kind of people that they don't talk about it. They don't want to hear it. And that is fine with me. Um, I do remember growing up, I grew up in a Catholic school with the Catholic, you know, whole setup. Um, boyfriends was that um and if you are <laughs> that the living room is right there and we're gonna be right here we shall <laughs> it was very interesting um to grow up like that especially when you feel like you're an older person um because age being of age or being an adult doesn't count in your culture <laughs> you're 21 so what <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hearing this. So, yeah. The whole thing of, oh, I'm 18. I'm an adult. And I'm like, that. Not what are here. you talking about? <laughs> so I guess kind of getting back to like questions and learning about your experience, especially. I wasn't really sure how to phrase this as a question. I'd really just like to hear you talk more about it. So I read on your website a lot of sessions that you perform or all your sessions you perform are in Spanish, regardless of the submissive understanding of the language. Yes, um, not all of them are in Spanish. Um, I am the normal, I guess, Latino American person, which switched back and forth. And at this point, I've been too long in the States, so sometimes I even forget some things in Spanish. <laughs> but I do do speak in Spanish in, in, in occasion and um, do a lot of orders and um, commands in Spanish. Yes. Um, just to spice it up. Sounds like one hell of a way to learn the language. Yes, yes. I have some subs that I've been getting them to learn the ABCs and it's fun, you know? I'm like, you, you always wanted to learn a second language. You always wanted to learn Spanish. This is your only chance. This is your best chance. And um, it has proven to work some way, somehow. <laughs> 
So I guess um, maybe I should think about it in another way. Motivation. There's more motivation. Yes, it's, it's a lot of motivation. I'm curious, do you view speaking in Spanish, especially to non-Spanish speaking clients as another form of dominating them because they can't understand what you're saying to them? Yes, yes, um, I do see it. Um, the confusion is amazing. It's thrilling to me, <laughs> especially because they don't know what's going to happen next. It's like, okay, I don't get what she's saying and I'm here and she's about to take me. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it's interesting. It's, most of it is thrilling to me, to be honest. Um, I just like the fact, but at the same time, I can remember when I didn't know any English and how I felt. So I can relate to everything that's going on, but it's fun. And I haven't heard anybody say otherwise, so I guess it's good. I think now is like a good time to get into, I guess something that is a little bit more unfamiliar to me and Shelby, and that is one of your interests, literally the top of your list from your site is, and I hope I don't mispronounce this, Obea? 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 Simple English is race play. That's one of the things that actually got me in this path, in this career. It was um, the continuous request or insinuations in the, to say it the best, insinuations of you're superior because you're black or I'm inferior because you're white or things of that sort. I keep it 100% in the dungeon and in the session. Um, I keep it, I keep it very, very tight on when it comes to that. Because honestly, coming from where I come from, I may look a certain way, but that doesn't mean much um, when when it comes to DNA. But yeah, um, it's a fantasy that's been going on a lot. It's racing and is part of, I guess a sociological, historical, and psychological thing that we have going on in our country. It's a reaction of things that needs to be sorted out, to be honest. I feel like I feel like in the beginning, you didn't give yourself enough credit for one thing. So I'm going to go ahead and hype you up for you. Um, you have a background specifically in anthropology and history. Do those come yes. into play during these Black supremacy sessions? Oh, yes. I should be, with my background, I should be a teacher. I should be a professor. I'm not. Um, because I'm too fun to be in a classroom constricted by rules and regulations of how I should um, address things and curriculums that are incomplete, um, to be honest. So I do make myself read history, <laughs> specifically American, um, Afro-American history in particular, because we're here in the most, in the vast majority, to understand what really is going on. Because just because you see me in here, my reality out there is very different uh, from the vast majority of the people that I work, that I have my sessions with, right, of my subs. So with that, yes, I make them read history. I discuss it with them. And if I don't like the answers, then there's lessons <laughs> and, and, and repercussions. 
Yeah. So do you, how do you think sessions like these work to change submissive biases or views? Because it sounds like a much more effective way than... Than tweeting about it. Than tweeting about it. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Um, I feel like I'm putting my little bit of work in something that hasn't been done. If we go back, and this is a historical concept of how African-Americans or um, Africans in the Americas were educated, it was through the art of, if you can call it at that moment, the art of submission and dominance. Um, Non-consensual, but still the art of submission and um, dominance. Therefore, this is what I normally will put in perspective, I am showing you what my ancestors felt. And when you put that in that perspective, most of my subs understand the, the position, they understand why, and they understand where it's going. And, and it makes them see things differently. Some of them I've seen naturally, they've been like, I went to get the new Jim Crow book and read it. And, oh my God, I feel so bad. This is horrible. We need to make a change. This is wrong. And many other things that can go as in like, some of them go into the superior race is better. Oh, I adore you. Things like that. Um, but the truth is that deeply within me, I feel like I could join an organization, which I have to fight for rights and fight for recognition and reparations and all these words that we're tweeting about lately. But in almost 20 years of that work in my vanilla life, the work wasn't finished. The work wasn't really done. Look where we at right now. And I feel like the best way that I can do it is if you come with those ideas, I will make them right because sometimes it's based on sexual. And when you think about those, when you're sexualizing me, which I don't mind, it's part of what I do, but when you're sexualizing the race and make it, it makes it a little bit of a joke. So in that part, I do take it seriously. The goddess, the dominatrix is actually really working, serious work, doing my part in changing minds and teaching and educating people that, you know, our, the color of our skin is, should not be of any significance at this point, and especially in, in a country so big and so broad and so amazing, you know. We interviewed Tasha Black a while ago, and she had mentioned that she, I think she had a friend who was referred to as Ebony in real life, which is a porn categorization for black women. I totally see what you mean by like saying when you sexualize somebody in a way that mm -hmm. pertains to race, it almost takes away the seriousness of the issue. How do you combat that? Yes. Oof. That is when you have to uh, make clear rules, clear um, 
I make myself a clear guideline of where I want to take this. Um, serving me because I'm black is not a problem. Sexualizing me because I'm black is not a problem. But when you stop thinking that I'm a human being, that's when the problem starts. So I make that clear. I got my moments where I am a black Latino woman. Sometimes I'm just Latino. Sometimes I'm just black. <laughs> but um, these things don't take away from the person that I am, the accomplishments that I've had. And I. that's why I showcase what I do. And my background, um, like Emily was highlighting earlier, and I thank you for that. I do that. I didn't waste my time in this world to be an object. That's it. So I do make those statements clear. And that's also when I, you can call it a curriculum. In, for me, it's a curriculum of training, right? In African-American studies. <laughs> And um, I emphasize these things. Um, I do not only educate them in the Black woman, I educate them in the Black experience, period. Um, genderless, because there's a lot to talk about that we don't know about, uh, whether it's a straight, cisgender, trans, gay community in the Black community. A lot, and a lot of apportations apport to our to right now. So I make those things clear. And with the curriculum, I guide it towards that. And when I see something, obviously, as my job is, I see something that is out of place, is to reel it back. I'm an educator <laughs> at, at heart. <laughs> That's kind of like why in your bio it says, I think, edu educatrix? 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 Okay, cool. I was like... I was like, what's that term again? <laughs> educatrix. I think educator is a, is a masculine word. So, an educatrix. But also, as a dominatrix, I'm not educating you in uh, common core. <laughs> and I'm also not following the guidelines of your common core school. <laughs> so, with that being said, that's why um, I say educatrix. One thing I wanted to ask about, and this is where I wanted to get back to kind of Colorado specifically, is you serve, I guess, the two the two biggest that most contradicting one are Boulder and Colorado Springs. Some Colorado Springs history for some of y'all. It used to be a huge KKK hotspot. Hasn't changed that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still one of the most conservative urban areas in the U.S. And then there's Boulder. Boulder is very blue. Boulder is very progressive. Boulder is, I like to say it's practically California. It is. It is. So how do these sessions change between these two very, very different areas? Definitely. I... I'm looking towards Boulder to move. I love it. I Every time I go there, I feel like I belong there. Um, Colorado Springs, <laughs> very conservative. And if you don't believe me, you can look at the elections map right now where the whole state is red except for Boulder and, and Denver. 
literally. So, and if you haven't watched the movie uh, Black Clansman, you should watch it because that was right here. Those buildings are exactly the same I see every day. And that story was in here. And um, how it changed, well, hmm. <laughs> um, in here, the population is a little bit older, believe it or not. Um, therefore, it's more conservative. Therefore, it's, it's a different, it, it's both different populations completely. We're talking about a lot of, okay, boomers <laughs> and a bunch of, millennials and Gen Z's up in Boulder. So in here, I think, in a way I have to be more conservative of how I do things and how I move. But when it comes to the sessions, I don't feel any difference, to be honest. I do feel that I get more of the race place in here than I get in Boulder. In Boulder, I get more like, thesis i get more open-minded people with more things they're just attracted to exoticness normally that's how they say it so it's not about race it's about i guess something out of the ordinary for them so i would say that the difference is mostly about the population and their likes in a way but i do get i, I do get you know thesis in here i get race place in there but the statistics are more like that, are more race-placing here, I guess, because of how white it is in its bad majority when it comes to the population and the historical background that this city has uh, compared to Boulder that is, or Denver that is so dynamic, that is so diverse, that is so, um, people are, like you said, it's more California, so they're looking at new experiences more than more than things that they've been longing all their lives, if that makes sense. Do you think that the community would be I'm I'm focusing on Colorado Springs in particular, the very conservative mm -hmm. area. Extremely, yes. <laughs> Do you think members of the community would be surprised by your clients or just the discovery of like who is coming to see you? Because it seems it is very closeted, very closeted over, here. over there. I just don't care. <laughs> but yes, um, but yeah, I think they would be because they're judgy up in here. <laughs> they're judgy. They're they they are very conservative, and um, I mean we got the Broadmoor here. You know, if you don't know the Broadmoor. You're not, you're not in that level. You're, you're not in that economic level, period, you know? Um, but the amount of people and the quality of people that comes around here um, is very affluent. And I think that, yes, they would be very surprised. And I think that they will be very judgy. Um, but again, I'm just doing an educational program. You're doing, you're doing the good work. Yes, yes. Somebody got to do it.
I think it's interesting to kind of discuss how dominatrixes play a role of an educator because I don't feel like you're the first dominatrix that we've talked to who has been like, yeah, I feel sometimes like I am an educator or I'm I'm teaching my clients things that are maybe a little bit more unconventional than you would learn in a classroom. And we and this is something we also hear a lot is sex workers find themselves to be healers of a lot of things as well. So your your profession is very multifaceted. And I would love to hear your experience outside of just um, sexually satisfying your clients. Of course. Yes, definitely. Being a sex worker, and specifically a dominatrix, I feel sometimes like it's my responsibility to put people back in track not just in the sexual and the whipping and the, and, the, and the flogging, but also mental and spiritual. I have to be tough on myself to be tough on other people. So I have to be on point. I have to educate myself to be able to even share that knowledge with them. Most of the clients or my subs that come to me, they normally are thinking on how to serve my goddess based on the things that we like in common but that's not how it is with me in my case there is a social responsibility a personal social responsibility that i have right that um to educate people to take them out of their boundaries not just physical but emotionally and mentally and spiritually so it's a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot of it's like a diamond like you said it's a lot of facets to this and it's a it's a beautiful thing i think that if i would have kept in another career i wouldn't be able to share all the sides of this diamond that's a really good way to put that i love that metaphor yeah diamonds are forever you know <laughs> So speaking of your dominatrix persona, I guess, I'm so curious about how you came up with your name. <laughs> well, I am a person that loves to try new things. I am, and if I can try it twice, I will too, because I want to make sure I did the right uh, decision on the first try, right? <laughs> Not good all the time, but... It has worked. When I had this name, I this name came to me. I am very big on astrology. So I always ask myself what's their sign <laughs> and read their charts and make their birth charts and look at them like that's where I'm going to attack. Um, <laughs> so I do that. I make them sit down and listen to their chart and see all these things right i am always being obsessed with stars and as i kept growing i learned that there was a tribe or there is a tribe in africa in northern africa called the dogon and the dogon for anybody that hasn't heard about them um they are one of the people that first started talking about the possibility of our ancestors coming from the stars. And they also, not only that, but they map the solar system 
without any technology. And they also um, met another system sim compared to ours, which is the Sirius system. These stars were said that that's the beginning of the, the, the not the beginning of the universe, but the belly of the universe, the womb of the universe. A womb is a female thing. <laughs> and I always, since I was a little girl, I always said I came from the stars and that star, Sirius, was the one. And that's where my name came from. Siriana is a woman from the stars, from Sirius, the star system. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I I wouldn't consider myself into astrology, but I'm surrounded by a lot of people very into astrology. So now I am well versed in astrology. Of course. Why not? It's it's a great map. It's a map um that is not permanent, but it's a map that can guide you into better decisions in your life. And to know yourself deeper, to um, be able to heal yourself and move forward, um, because that's what life is about. I'm kind of curious. So I'm a Taurus sun, and Emily's a Scorpio sun. Aren't they supposed Ooh. to be? Don't Tauruses and Scorpios get along really well? Isn't that a thing? Yes. Um, the combination of water and earth can be very, very good. Um, and happy birthday, Emily! If you don't, if you didn't have it, or you're about to have it, because I know oh, we're in it's we're in Scorpio it's season. I love Scorpio season. <laughs> Scorpio, my my favorite part, because I remember I was like, yeah, astrology. Like I'm, I'm a woman of science, but mm -hmm. as I've learned Very more Scorpio. about science, science <laughs> is practically magic, anyways. Yes, <laughs> so, it is. It's alchemy and magic. Yeah. I, Shelby, I think another reason why, I don't know, Scorpio energy, Scorpios, first of all, most women murderers are Scorpios, which makes I sense. think, yeah, it makes total sense. And I think that's like the coolest statistic. <laughs> Two, also Scorpios with the very that's like open. bad bitch, like very powerful feminine energy. Like that's, that's another reason why I love that I was born on November 14th. Oh, so you're about to have a birthday. Great. Yeah, Great. I, I, I used to make like the biggest hurrah about my birthday, but not I as still possible do. this year. Yeah, I just, I still I just do. I've been 25 for about 12 years. <laughs> and oh, I was going to say, I think I read online that January 9th is the day of the goddess. Did I get that right? It's the day of the goddess. I'm a I'm a Capricorn, which I love Taurus and Scorpios because um Taurus because of the earthy element and Scorpios, we just vibe. We can understand each other perfectly. So it's like those moments that you guys go into your scorpion, to your shell, we're like, perfect. I got independence. So, <laughs> so it's really nice. It's really nice. It vibes. Yeah, and Shelby, I don't know if you know your full chart, but uh, my moon is in Taurus. So oh, wow. I think moon in Taurus, that practically makes me the most chill Scorpio ever. So 
I think my moon is in Cancer and my rising is in Pisces, but I might have those flipped. I have two water signs and I'm an earth sign, so I feel like that kind of makes me messy. You're very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about your emotions. Yes, definitely. I am too. I'm, I have a morning Cancer. As a Capricorn, I'm not proud of that because <laughs> that's my polar opposite. It makes me all over the place. And my rising is in Sagittarius, so I don't play games. <laughs> it's fire. I've heard Sagittarius is a really good sign, too. I love them. I don't know a ton about astrology, but I, I knew I know like little bits. Of, I know what I see on Twitter, basically. <laughs> Most of the tweets and Instagram uh, memes make sense. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, Emily, do you have any more questions? I mean, I could talk forever. I think I think we all know that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm like checking and I feel like I I mean I have like literally nine questions about like just focusing on like race play and things and that was because like when I was writing the questions I didn't know if there was a difference between race play and a black supremacy session just because it was listed as something on your website but I think after talking it is basically the same. Um, the intensity of the game of the play depends solely on the boundaries that has been pre-established. Um, so there's people um, that will come black, black power, and they're more Black Panther than I ever been in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. And there's other ones that are just, um, they just want to learn. They just curious, um, especially not only because of their whole life they've been longing for it, but because also they, what's going on in our times. We're more open to talk about these things now, um, fortunately, so we can understand each other and live finally as Americans and not as race-based Americans. So, um, yeah, it, it depends, again, in the, in the contract and the things that we have talked and established before, uh, limits and hard limits, soft limits, and et cetera. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think we actually talked about the, what boundaries do you, need to establish in one of those sessions i feel like it would actually be if you if you kind of walked us through one of those sessions like from start to finish kind of how it would go i think it would help me but maybe somebody else in the audience visualize it a little bit better definitely the best way i can describe a session wolf is in things um sometimes it's so intense you get so caught up in it it's not that you don't remember but it's so much is physically in things, is mentally in things. First, I normally require a video verification or a, maybe a, a meeting, if that's preferred, where we establish our limits and things that I will do and won't do when it comes to, to the session. We also discuss our interests, mutual 
and things that maybe we don't we didn't discuss um i'm open to most things so the things that i do not do involve blood involve scat or feces water sports or urine and children it turns me up i'm super clean and um i just don't feel the need to do those things i do have a lot of people coming for scat non non-judging everybody has their own thing but it's not my thing i do know other people that do um that do it but it's not my thing and when it comes to um children play um age play it's just not something that turns me on in the minimal especially as some as a mother, I am a mother and um, I don't know. It's just my psychology doesn't go there. And then after you do those things and you establish those things and whatever their limits are, whether it's blood, feces, but in the vast majority, we have more or less the same things. And as you keep going, you also explore certain things that you're like, you know, absolutely not anymore. We tried it, not our thing. And the session starts with, it's kind of a ritual where the sub will get undressed, will get inspected. It's like a physical examination, if you want to think about it. In my case, I love to do it um, in a way that looks like I'm in, like they're in prison because it's just fun. <laughs> and also, I, Always, if, if it's race play included, then I'm reminding them of who goes through this a lot and to feel uh, what they feel. It will continue with other things depending on their likes. If it's somebody that is into um, bondage and nipple teasing or CBT, which is a uh, cock and ball torture. Um, it depends. It, it, it all depends. The session will depend on the, again, the pre-established consent, consented uh, things. Therefore, after that, um, and the time depends also on what we have pre-established. After that, I think um, we move normally, we move on to, you know, from the the variant goes from really slow to really intense to really slow again, to put it like that. And after that comes aftercare. I do aftercare depending on the person because a lot of people talk about aftercare and not all aftercare is about hugging or loving each other. Some of them are discussing um, how they feel or things that they would like to see again or hugging. Depends on the person. Yeah, depends on the person. Like I said, everything for me varies on the person. I do try to have these discussions previously so I can, so I don't have to guess because that wastes time and kills modules. <laughs> but um, basically, that's in a nutshell how a session would go. And then I, I have to ask just because of 
my Hispanic upbringing, have you ever pulled out La Chancla in a session? Of course. Yes. Of course. La Chancla is, I mean, it's a symbol. We should all have a tattoo at this point. (laughs) It's a symbol of culture and discipline. In our in our culture, so la chancla comes and the fly swatter also comes. I love the fly swatter. God, the fly swatter! I my mom has pulled out the fly swatter on me before. Of course, <laughs> any of course anything any like two beat radio. Oh, yep. we should probably. <laughs> do, do you want to explain why? A lot of people that I was gonna say yeah. As a non Latina person, would you mind explaining what la chancla is? It's the flip flop. Roughly translated, it's a flip flop, and uh, but the legend, I'm gonna say it's a legend because it's not a legend, it's real. But your mom, your mom might not be able to throw darts. Your mom might not be able to shot a gun. But if she if she throws that chancla, your that flip flop, that flip flop is a boomerang. So even if you go and you think that you're zigzagging and going left or right on a street, that chancla is gonna get you. Oh, one one hundred percent. And and this is a symbol of our Hispanic heritage. So a lot of different things, and um, us in the Caribbean have a lot of other things that are used for discipline um our children so wire hangers things like that are also uh kneeling on rice i think that you know that one um i use those methods it's it's fun you know a lot of people ask me where i get it from I'm like <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> it's a cultural thing oh i bet i bet some you know non-hispanic coloradans are like wow you're so creative but my mom I know was, where it comes so from. was my grandma and my aunts, all 17 of them. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes you don't even know where it's going to come from. Like, I, I mean, always, I was even. We always have an aunt that comes with the wrath of God. Out of nowhere, they found out something. You don't even remember what you did. But somebody comes and. All these disciplines, as funny as it sounds, um, it could be frustrating. It could be also a way that makes discipline on a person. Um, by all means, I'm not saying that you should discipline your children like that. But adults, that's different. <laughs> it's okay to discipline adults, especially it's if they're okay. consenting. <laughs> consenting adults, anything that happens in between consenting adults is fair game. I just, I hope, I hope your subs understand the full history, the very rich, vibrant history and legend of La Chancla. Yes, they will. And um, if not, sessions are open for a Chancla session. Um, it could be good old spanking Chancla session. It could be uh, throwing the Chancla to the target, which is you. There's different, different creative ways too that are that my female ancestors have helped me understand and, and have in my personal archive. So speaking of La Chancla sessions being open, how would our listeners find you if they were interested in scheduling a session or just following you on social media? Definitely social media is 
uh, Instagram and Twitter is Cosmic Dom. That's K-O-S-M-I-K-D-O-M-M-E. And um, the website is Goddess Syriana. All triple S's in the middle. Don't forget about it. Dot Weebly.com. But if you go on Instagram, all of that is in there. You can go to allmylinks.com slash cosmicdom and everything is in there too. The easiest way to find me is Instagram. And the tagline under her first photo on her website is Afro-Latina goddess with thick thighs, thick ass, and a thick accent. And I love that. I think that's so <laughs> Thank clever. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody talks about my accent. And at the beginning, I used to take it really, really wrong. I'm like, you guys have accents too. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Are you from New York, Jessica? <laughs> I, like, yes. Um, yes. Um, Karen, I can hear your accent. But as I grew into being here in the States and hearing it so much, I don't even hear it anymore. I don't hear my accent. And um, I use it. It's one of my superpowers. I love it. I love your accent, by the way. So (laughs) the empowerment is a bonus. If you want to find Siriana's episode, you should check out our website, candygirlpodcast.com. You can find her episode there along with any place that it's streaming, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, it's probably there. And you can find any more information about Candy Girl Podcast on our website as well. So check that out. Siriana, thank you so much for being with us again here today. This was such an exciting interview and it was really fun to listen to you and Emily kind of bond. <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you so much for having me thank you so much for um what you guys are doing it's very much needed it's very much educational so thank you for what you're doing thank you for having me and yes um emily and i bonded but shelby we will be bonding too yes, yes. in the good way of bonding because i know i understand <laughs> <laughs> and we will hear from you guys next friday Fuck me, daddy.